I suppose the headline of that is, you know, I was a, I was a 14-year-old father. Um, so, um, obviously not planned. The biggest issue with most businesses that I mentor, many businesses that I mentor, is the business is too dependent on them. And actually, they kind of get a bit of a kick from the business being dependent on them. We would like you to develop a program for us to take 40, um, yeah, 16 to 24 year olds that are not in education, employment or training through the process of starting a business. You know, once people see the intent and they see the action behind that intent and they realize they can trust the action and the intent, then they want to be part of that. Welcome back to another episode of Success is a System. Today I'm here with, here with Alex Hughes, uh, social entrepreneur. Alex and I met at an event in Cambridge and we've talked a few times since. And in common, we have the fact that we're both passionate about helping young people uh, grow business, get into business, overcome the challenges of business uh, and working towards that aim to have more young leaders and successful businesses in the county, in the country. So thanks for coming, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having Pleasure me. to have you here. And um, one of the things I often do on the podcast is tell us about Alex, your upbringing, you know, your family, sibling rivalry, if there was any of that. Yeah. Give us a quick summary of your life to date. Have you ever heard the, the phrase, I'd give you the short story, but I don't have time to write it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll try and get, get through it reasonably speed. So um, I suppose the headline of that is, you know, I was a 14-year-old father. Um, so, um, obviously not planned, um, circumstances aside, probably the best thing that's ever happened to me, uh, being a father, I think is an absolute privilege. Um, and now having a nine month old baby 20 years later, um, definitely, you know, um, it's a big part of who I am is I'm a father. Um, so at that time I... You know, I wasn't. I wasn't bad at school. I wasn't. I wasn't particularly academic at all. Um, yeah. But I wasn't. I wasn't in trouble. I loved the social scene. So I loved being around people. I liked being part of the party. Uh, I was always the one that connected to lots of different things. But obviously, this shockwave into my life yeah. um, led me down a, a bit of a dark path for the first kind of four years. Because technically, you can't legally be a father at fourteen, and you can't work, and you, you can't work. Don't so an income to try and help if you want no to. i mean you you're basically just you know there um hadn't quite made it made it a sex education yet so no no idea clearly what what was going on so the message i was getting were really conflicting but you wholeheartedly embraced that um uh, responsibility yeah absolutely you know I, it was one of those things where the situation was not ideal i didn't really know what to think about it, it was just a whirlwind i got home um, so he, so she was six months pregnant when I found out. Wow! So she'd hid it from her family. Like it was just this. I got literally got home. I got in through the door. You can imagine, fourteen year old walks through the door with his backpack on. Mum get in. Mum says, "Oh, Alex, you know you got a big decision to make today. Get in the car, and we're going round to to the mum's house." And um, when I got there, I was like, "Oh God! Wow! What could it possibly be? You're going to be a father." And she'd found out because her mum had found her, and it was all—it was just really complicated, really complex, really dark time for me personally. That was a challenging few years because I was struggling with the want to be a father, want to do the right thing, but not knowing what the hell I'm going to do. I had no purpose. I had no beyond that. I had nothing. So yeah. my teachers were saying, "Focus on your GCSEs," and I was like, "Well, that's not going to get me anywhere because if you think about the track of..." I've got two years till my GCSEs, then I'm going to go to college, then I might have to go to university. But you've got responsibilities now. Not going to happen. So I was like, at that point, I was like, right, I don't belong here. 
academic isn't going to work for me not for any other reason than circumstantially it can't work for me yeah, yeah, yeah. so if I'm honest with you over the next kind of four years beyond that I did what I had to do I did some you know um, clean warehouses I used to go um, do cash work so you, you were working cash not because you particularly wanted to work cash but because at 14 you can't become a PAYE full time employee yeah I was doing I mean I was I, I think I was just lost I, was, I wasn't thinking I wasn't doing it because I thought I need a lot of money um, I don't even think about the responsibilities of having to look up. It wasn't on me to financially look after the, to no. my son personally. I wanted to contribute. Um, and I was lucky that I had very supportive parents in the process. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a really interesting time. But during that time, I, if I'm honest with you, I went into myself a little bit. Yeah. So I was kind of the joker, as so I say. Not that, feeling sorry for yourself. Just no, just angry. Disenfranchised, or, yeah. angry confused there's no support you know now I, you know i spend time and volunteering for places like romsey mill where they've got you know young parents programs and things like that where yeah. i can support other people in those situations i didn't have any of that there was and, no signposting them through it yeah, yeah. there was no signposting nothing so i was just basically like got to figure it out so what i did is what most teenagers do when they're a bit lost i you know got high i played fifa I did very little with my life, hiding from my responsibility, essentially, yeah, yeah. until about 18. At that point, uh, I was always into IT, so I was always into tech. And my friend saw an ad for an apprenticeship in a building surveying firm in Huntingdon uh, for an IT apprenticeship. So I thought, oh, I'll take that on. And whilst I'm doing it, I had this idea of starting my own business, um, which was my first kind of flurry, if you like, um, which was um, helping older people um, use IT. So I just, inspired by, by my grandma, she, I was like, why aren't you doing email? Why aren't you on the internet? So I helped her, and I thought, well, actually, other people want that. So I started a, a little side consultancy, if you like, called Redline Repairs, okay. um, which was a pain in the bum. Um, I was way too nice. I was working with old people that really couldn't afford to pay me, so I'd just do it for free anyway. Yeah. Um, but I was learning IT. Anyway, in building surveying um, firm, where realistically, have you ever seen the program IT Crowd? No. Some of your listeners might have heard it. it it's basically like... You know, I'm working in this firm. No one knows what IT really means. Um, there's like three of us in the department. I'm basically playing Guitar Hero and World of Warcraft all day. And if they ask me what I'm up to, I'll say, oh, the internet's broken. I'm fixing it. Right, right. Because I was just kind of just still just cruising, still figuring things out. Anyway, it's not very exciting, to be honest with you. Um, and then by about 22, I then kind of finished my apprenticeship. I was like, right, what's next? There's no progression here for me. I did a little bit of contracting in and around Cambridge area and IT support firms, whatever. Anyway, I saw this ad for a support, uh, IT support role at a massive pharmaceutical company in Cambridge, global pharmaceutical firm. I thought, I'm going to go check it out. So I walked through these doors and says, glorious building on the Cambridge Science Park. And I was like, I don't even care what I'm doing here. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw people hanging out on sofas. There was free coffee. I was like, I just come from the council. I was working at Shire yeah. Hall as a contractor. You've know, you got to bring your own ice cubes to work. You know, it's ridiculous. It's not ice cubes, so it's sugar cubes and tea and whatever. Anyway, so I was like, I don't care what it is. I want in. I got in. And from that point onwards, I've just flourished in that environment mm. because they had leadership development. They had training internally. I was in an in a, in a, in a industry where probably 90% of the people around me had degrees, but I had hustle and I had hard work, and my manager saw that. So I was just, I saw stats, I got to hit them. So they're like IT support, there's always yeah. stats, you know, first line fixes, whatever else. So I just, I just went for it. I was like, right, I'm going to win. It's this, this feels like a competitive arena, I'm going to win. 
And yeah, I built great relationships. Next thing I know, I'm VIP IT support. I was looking after the likes of the, the Sackler family um, and all of the CEOs of the various IACs around the world. And I'm sat in the room of these board meetings, of this huge multi-billion pound pharmaceutical company, just there in case the printer broke, which it never did. Um, but I got to listen and I got to watch and I was just observing as a particular leader there. So it's your own kind of university, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm just observing. I'm just curious. I'm just sat there and like, well, wait a minute. So you've got this guy here and he's got all of his like, advisors around him and there's all of these people kind of pitch for budgets and this is what we're going to do next year, this is what we're doing. And he kind of observes, listens, looks to the left or looks to the right, looks to the left, looks at his advisors and then makes a decision like that. Multi-million pound decisions. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Anyway, whilst that was happening... Um, a really good manager, a, a guy called uh, Mark Bramwhite, who was the kind of line manager for our department. He really took to me in the sense that he was like, Alex, look, you know, you've got this energy about you. People follow you, whether you're doing good or bad, people tend to follow you. Um, you need to you need to be a leader. You need to start moving into leadership. So they put me on a year-long leadership course. Um, whilst that was going on, I also trained as a project manager. Um, and then I moved into project management because I knew the tech. I was passionate about it. I could speak to techies. I knew the business. So I was the perfect person to kind of sit in between. And then through that, got into project portfolio. So I was managing a, a part of the management team for managing this multi-billion pound portfolio for the company on various different projects. How many software engineers do we need versus business priorities? And then during that time, and you have to excuse me because... Um, there's been quite a few businesses since here. So it's yeah. good to about 25. Well, let's... Yeah, go on, I'll please, tell you what, please, let's please. park that because... Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally... We're, we're, Told you, we're, short story, long no, story. Really, no, but it's not that. It's that we got to 25 and yeah. you've already lived a life, you know. Yeah, yeah um, like that. And part of that, uh, some of the uh, podcasts that I've done, now, I remember Dave Potts from um, mm. Morrison's and uh, he talks about the fact that he left school at 16, literally five F's at O level yeah. on the Friday and on Monday he starts at Tesco's as a shelf stacker kind of thing and we then talked about university and different things and he said well look I'm not knocking it one way or the other because he then got day release to go back and, and do yeah. um, more education but he said the reality was by the time most other people were leaving university I've got six years seven years of work yeah. experience and so he already had what most people who do a degree or go to uni won't have until they're 30 mm -hmm. so in that sense, you're two years even further out than him. And even if you didn't maybe grasp the real scale of your situation at the time, mm. you had that responsibility sitting on your shoulders. And that, um, it may not lead to action at the time, but psychologically, I think it, it, it starts to harden you and grow you. And so when most people get a job, say, uh, if they've been to uni at, at, at 22, 23, 24... Yeah. The smallest things can unsettle them, but by then you've been working for eight years. You've, My son's uh, eight years old. Your son's eight <laughs> years old. You, you've kind of been hardened by the fact that stuff can happen. It doesn't kill you. Yeah. Uh, you can survive these things. You can still grow through these things. And, you know, what, what's interesting is that you've already um, got to a level that most people... Uh, in terms of dealing with stuff that most people haven't had to deal with yes. for many, many years. It's resilience, um, right? And what's interesting is that if you've got drive and focus and something about you, as you talked about the energy, uh, 
the qualifications are less important. You know, everyone said, I've got no chance. I'm going to be an absolute failure. Like, in no uncertain terms. If you don't get your GCSEs... Was there any one person that stood out for you more than others as the influence that you had to prove wrong? Um, if I'm honest, my dad. Right. So my dad was a very successful man and still is to do that to this day. Um, he wasn't living with us, but, you know, we've got... Long term, we've got a good relationship, but at the time, he was focused on his commercial career. He went on to be a sales director for Comet Electricals. And, yeah, you know, yeah, he's done some fantastic things in property and whatnot. He's an amazing man, and I've got so much respect for him for his work ethic. But you know, his attitude towards it was maybe different of my kind of people right around me. My, my grandma was a massive influence on me in terms of support. My mum, they were a bit more kind of, it's okay, take your time. It's gonna, whereas my old man was, you got to figure it out, sort it out, sort yourself yeah. out, you know. So, And was it yeah. like wanting to make him proud or wanting to prove him wrong or what what was it about and the reason i say this is i say to a lot of pe people say oh, i want to get motivated or I need some positive motivation yeah. and i talk a lot about at least 70 percent of motivation is negative it comes from wanting to prove someone wrong it yeah. comes from uh wanting to help my mom out because she's struggling or pay for my kids yeah. issues you know so it's kind of negative so negative circumstance can be more powerful than a dream of owning a Ferrari. 100%. So we are more pushed by our fears than we are pulled by our dreams mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Do you have any handle now on whether it was like an, because you said you were angry, was it an anger at needing to show people you weren't what they were seeing or was it a kind of inner drive to be more than you were? Yeah. In, you know what I mean? Where, I'd say 90% 90 just trying to prove people that I could make something of myself because I'd, I'd had enough of asking. But you I, already you know, had, arguably, by that point, relative to most yeah, people of that age. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that's something that I embrace now. I, I hate losing. I don't care about winning. I, n I never cared about winning. You know, I've won, won awards and you know, done great things, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But you know, actually, what I care, what drives me even to this day is not losing. I think, you know, from my point of view, it's more of a game of, life's more of a game of survival most of the time. But it also ticks that box of being more driven by fear of failure 100%. than pulled by the, the trophy of winning. Yeah, because the, the trophy comes and goes. Like, that was just, that's a byproduct. Yeah. For me, it was like, I just don't want to lose and um, I just want to be the best version of myself. One, prove my son yeah. that, that no matter what, he saw that I tried both for myself and for him long-term. You've got two businesses and a busy job. Yes. And at the time, I'd, I'd negotiated with my manager who was... I mean, I, I, I'd be bold enough to say I probably would have gone on to global leadership at, um, at right. that company. So I was flying. So I wasn't just yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah. I was doing really well. I was getting <clears> promotions. I was, you know, I was hanging around with the right people in the business. I'd worked at the corporate ladder. I knew how to get to the top. I'd figured yeah. it out. Um, so at the time, my, my boss was like, what do you mean? You want to leave to go and start a laundry company? I don't understand, <laughs> Alex. I'm like, you don't understand. You don't need to understand, but I need to do this. Um, so he said, well, how can I keep you? So then they dropped me down to three days a week and then got me an assistant so keep me in the business um so i accepted that for a little while for a few months then i went and did this other business and then i was at a mastermind so i was going to this thing called business owner business owners open mastermind run by a gentleman called ed goodman over in st ives okay. who's the founder of freelance heroes a really good friend of mine now and we used to meet once a month for a mastermind and there was this gentleman there who was a vat specialist and obviously i got to know him very well <laughs> my first experience um and he said oh i've got a friend in my network you're in the cleaning game would you like to buy a business? 
I was like, I've never bought a business before. That sounds interesting. But he's getting into retirement. It's a commercial cleaning business, so it's a slightly different market. Um, but would you be interested in looking at it? I said, yeah, I'll have a look at it. Anyway, met this guy in his 70s, 16 years business has been running. Had these decent commercial contracts with care homes, a few diff- like different kind of businesses. A bit of diversity in the portfolio. So I'm still thinking about that portfolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have a look at it. So did some diligence, had some conversations. He wanted silly money for it. They always do. I'm sure you appreciate. Um, I managed to negotiate him down to a, a price that I was happy with. Um, and that's where I had to pitch my old man for some cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I said, right, I'll take it on. You stay in the business for a year, um, which is another year towards your retirement. Uh, backseat. But you know, while I'm here, I need to make sure I've, I've got goodwill with the customers. Because if you're buying a commercial cleaning company... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're basically buying the goodwill of his customer, his friendships, right? So I said, right, okay, come on in, I'm coming in. That was the point where I could leave. So I said to my boss at the time, look, I'm out. I've got this business. My old man's in on the game to support was, it. I mean, are you happy to talk about? Because obviously you've got, anyway. you got to raise money. I mean, what was the sort of turnover? What was the cost of that business? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of because you're not just leaving a job now, which is a risk in itself. Yeah. You're entering into a risk of having borrowed money, albeit that might have been investors that, that oh. people tend to think investors are willing to lose. They don't like losing. This one doesn't like losing. Yeah, well, man, exactly. hates losing money. So, uh, so, yeah, so it was doing about £180,000 revenue at the time. Um, I looked at the value of it as one. So the margins weren't that great. Like net margin was like 6%, but I looked at the rest of the market and realised that you could yeah, achieve yeah. 16% easy if you actually did a better job and, and, and just had better contracts. Um, so I then pulled it apart through that process, I'd, I'd, um, what was the book? Never split the difference. Oh, I'm great that. negotiation okay. book. So, I, so again, I'm like, I need to learn how to negotiate and be a great negotiator. Uh, I never split the difference. A great book recommendation for anyone who wants to explore okay, that. Cool. And anyway, so I so went into negotiation and said, look, as far as I can see, the value of this is the notice period on those contracts. So negotiating down to there, I don't mind saying we bought a business about twenty four thousand pounds. Okay. He originally wanted eighty. Um, that's not bad the average business sells at uh, 3.9 times EBITDA so it's probably it's did all right. about, probably about probably right probably bought it 2 to 3 or something yeah so I'm pretty happy with the deal yeah, yeah. and then so yeah so at so that point you've got existing team probably about 12 employees part time sort of they've got a manager in there and oh my days hope you're enjoying Success as a System every Tuesday we launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success as a System or what subjects you'd like us to cover to help you and your business Success as a System like subscribe and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy healthy and successful I Honestly, cleaning, when they commercial clean is early mornings, late nights, weekends, yeah, heavy, yeah. really. But from a management point of view, I've, I've been through this training. I've managed great people. I've hired people. I've fired people. I've been in that situation at this point, and I've never seen anything like it. All these promises were made to his staff when he was leaving. They didn't yeah. even know he was leaving. So I've come in, and they tell you all the, all what they've been promised. Yeah. So this, this the manager come in, and the first interaction I have with her, she comes into my boardroom, so a little office above the auction house in St. Ears. She throws a contract at me, starts bursting into tears or whatever, Jesus. starts shouting and screaming at me. I said, "What? I said, I just got here. I don't know what you want to hug. I don't know what like, <laughs> what you what you want from me." Anyway, it, yeah. Then it gets worse because thirty percent of the business was a one contract, and they went into liquidation within three months of us getting the business. Oh, yeah. So yeah, really unfortunate start. However, what it did is it created urgency. 
So I needed to learn. So I started doing exactly what I did with the first two businesses and it failed miserably. So the first business, when I've got my first £80,000 in sales, basically I did that through distributing leaflets through young people. I knew parents were the market. I had young nephews. Here are these leaflets. Give it out to the parents in the playground. Bit of Facebook, social media, marketing, whatever else. Tried doing that with commercial cleaning and maintenance contracts. They're not on Facebook. They're They're not there. So I have no idea how I'm going to get this business. So I learned very hard and fast about the importance of relationships in B2B. And that's where I got a hook. So where did you do that? Was that knocking on doors? Was that um, Chamber of Commerce? What sort of things? Mm. So I joined joined something. I don't know what your relationship is with this. It's a very early morning, exclusive networking thing. Um, uh, I won't name names because I I quite frankly refuse to promote them these days. Um, But you had to pay a lot of money to be in there every month. And it was like exclusivity lockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've all got to recommend each other's businesses. And if you don't, then you get a little naughty sticker yeah. or whatever. It's, it's horrific. It was you know, six o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, golf club with some awful breakfast. But it was network. So I picked up a few bit, bits, bits of business out of that. Went to masterminds, did some uh, research. I was like, right, estate agents, deep cleans. Let's, let's get some cash flow in the business. So I did a round of estate agents in and around the area. Lettings was what, what I was after, some deep cleans. Uh, I used to go around donuts. So I'd take a box of donuts okay. and a leaflet. So I'd go around on a Wednesday, I'd go and drop the donuts off, give them a leaflet. And they said, what do you want? I said, just, I just want you to, I just want 10 minutes of your time. No worries, I'll be back next Wednesday, enjoy your donuts. They'd get the donuts, probably leaf in the bin. Brilliant. But I'd keep coming back. So by the time, eventually, if someone was going, what do they you want? you feel guilty about eating all your donuts. Exactly, what do you want? I said, I just want 10 minutes of your time. I've done some data, I've got my insight. I think insight's important in sales. You know, 56% of, I still remember it these days, I was doing this pitch all the time, 56, 56% of businesses change their cleaning contract within the first year due to bad performance. So we're not selling cleaning, we're selling quality, of, uh, we're selling peace of mind is what yeah. we're selling. We guarantee we'll never let, let you down. And my team was saying, Christine was saying, we can't do that. I said, when did you last let someone down? In the last year. Well, we never let anyone down. Fine, we're guaranteeing it. And we'll take the loss if we don't. So that worked. So I started getting my message, started to build my network, Bit of hustle, knocking on doors, having conversations, realizing there's a lot of time wasters in the market. Then I was like, okay, I need to shortcut this. Accountants, who's dealing with lots of businesses, build relationships with accountants, with lawyers, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who's connected. And that's where I really got into that and being connected in the power the of the network. Yeah. And we've grown that now. So during that time, um, we had some changeover in the business. Um, my dad exited about two years ago as part of that. Um, did he get a good return yeah well he got his money back and he got shares in another business I was involved oh, in at the time so yeah we, it was a, it was the right split at the time because our relationship um, was in a place where it'd gone far enough I had I had the ambitions of doing something to change the world yeah um, in a really you know not very profitable way he is you know 65 this year and is focused on his retirement as he should be so our needs were very different the time was right what how much time does that take of your time now? Oh, zero. All right, zero. So you're totally, I'm still director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shareholder, yeah. but zero. Good. Christine well, does be, board meetings. And the reason I talk about it is one of the aspirations and aims of uh, of a lot of business people is to get passive income yeah. or to get minimal time return. Yeah. Uh, so you've worked hard in that, but it's now at a point where it makes money, it makes money, it yeah. makes money. You can You can rely on that money, but it's not eating at your time. Yeah, and I think you know this is about systems, right? And one of the yeah. best things we did early, I'm my default is sitting in my pants and doing nothing, 
right? If, if I think about, I'm scared of being in that situation. I'm scared of being sitting in my pants and doing nothing. So if I've, if I've got too comfortable, that's where I'll be, yeah, right? Yeah. So I always think about that. But I still desire it. So what I did was we did a, my, uh, an organ, organogram of the future of the business. Yeah. And we plotted all our names on the, the board about where we should sit in there and where we're best. You know, it was my face on a lot of it. And I just thought, eradicate my face from that thing. And that was the focus every week. Which is, which is great. And, um, and uh, I can see that being an important short, actually, because... The biggest issue with most businesses that I mentor, many businesses that I mentor is the business is too dependent on them. And actually, they kind of get a bit of a kick from the business being dependent on them. Yeah. And if you put them to a lie machine, they probably like the business being because quite they do. dependent on them. Because we all need to be needed. Mm-hmm. And there's that driver there. But actually, to get real success, you need to make yourself redundant. So that's parked. Yep. Covers some cash for you. Yeah. It's got a good future value that you could exit if you wanted to or needed to, but may never do it because... Cash flows. Cash flow and so (laughs) on. Then we're moving on to starting to find what really floats your boat, which is... Which at the time, after that, was I just love doing business. I just love entrepreneurship in every every form. So it wasn't connected to young... Uh, no, it's still not there. People, at t- okay, still not there because because what happened? So, I'd, um, and I'll fast track because I'll go through. If I went through every business, I'd be here all day, as I mentioned earlier. But I started flurrying in all sorts, getting into, you know, got in business with my friend, doing gym equipment and manufacturing. Uh, we got into a like, media um, company, um, we, all sorts of different kind of yeah, projects yeah, yeah. that we started to play with. Anyway, during this time. I started to get asked questions from people in my network, those masterminds I was part of, those networks, saying, wait a minute, you've done this, this, and this. And we've been more and better we've been business all the time. Age at that point. Yeah, and we're all networking, and all you see is me just go, 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 employing people all the time, whatever. I've employed over 150 people in the last eight years in my own businesses. Mm. And I'm like, and they're, they're seeing this traction. Can you help me with my business? So I thought, oh, yeah, all right, just buy me lunch or something. So I'd start, and then, well, could you do some consultancy for me? Would you mentor me or support me or whatever yeah sure and i was charging silly like 200 pounds for a day or something i was like well i don't really need the money and i'm quite curious about what you're doing so i'll just learn yeah anyway that got that that was the start of my consultancy so during all this time shift momentum was born so five and a half years ago shift momentum was born amongst all of this with my cousin who was working at lenovo at the time and he said alex you should start a consultancy and i want to do it with you so basically marketing me which i thought this is just a bizarre world i've never wanted to be in this world and then the consultancy started going really well. And then we started running accelerator programs and launch programs and groups of people because I couldn't do one anymore. There were too many people that wanted help. So they wanted, you know, what we like, efficiency, build yeah. them into groups. Anyway, after that, then suddenly I saw this massive gap in the market. We were basically the naughty corner of a chambers of commerce, <laughs> right? So you've got all these young, we were like, what, like 20, 28 then, and all my crew, all millennial entrepreneurs and we're like we don't belong in these yeah, rooms yeah, yeah. anymore you're so not, you're not going along in gray suits or no i hated it i was like this isn't my vibe so i said to the guys look why are we going to these bo- these boring breakfast meetings and whatever else let's just meet up once a month for a curry bring a friend and let's grow let's just let's just start our own thing so, we, so that was their shifties which is a micro business community <laughs> now which has now got 1400 members in it which started with eight of us getting around for a curry 
And that was our micro business network, which I still um, think is a big That's a paid mem- uh, network? Is it, it was a paid network for a while. It's, I'm currently going through decentralizing it and giving it back to the community oh, uh, right so they can run it for themselves. Because I, I I'm not building micro businesses anymore, so it doesn't serve me. So I'll just give it back. Great. So that was like the development of that. Anyway, during then, so, so whilst being this micro business community, suddenly I'm, I'm having conversations with the CEO of the Chambers of Commerce or FSB, speaking to people at a higher level, business representative organizations, yeah, yeah. and then pandemic hits. And here I am, got my businesses, I'm pretty cushy. We had some impact on various things and, and during that time there was a few businesses that were born, that's when I got into construction. Um, and but I was looking around, I was like, where is everyone? Where are the leaders gone? I saw a lot of people doing this, clawing. They were like, retreat. As soon as they, it was like, just... Scared. Yeah, sack people off, hold my money, hold my wealth. Well, I don't have any wealth. I have cash flow, but I don't, mm. I don't really believe in having you know, lots of different things. It doesn't need, I don't need it. I'm quite a minimalist in that sense. But anyway, I was looking for leaders and I couldn't find them. So that's where I started to get involved with economic development. So when the grants weren't coming... Yeah, and our councils weren't distributing money into the micro business community because the micros were really hit hard during the pandemic in terms yeah, of funding. Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, Tesco's, you're having your bills covered for for days. Anyway, so I started challenging them, and um, we distributed during that time about 1.8 million in grants through economic development teams wow. into the micro business community in Cambridgeshire, um, and built some fantastic relationships. And that's when I realised. During that time, uh, there was an opportunity off the back of Brexit as well, don't forget. Um, and this is Inspire to Ignite now being yeah. born, is it? Community Interest Company, yeah. So I was at so 2019, so fast forward 2019, I was, because I've been volunteering for um, youth organisations for a while, because I've always wanted to kind of support and give back. And I was at the annual conference for Former Future, and they asked me to share my story of being a young father and whatever else. And I did. And then I said, look, I'm open. I've got a bit of time. My time's freeing up. I've got, I'm open to collaborating with other people that want to help Next Generation. And Cambridge City Council got in touch and said, we're developing a program called Region of Learning. We would like you to develop a program for us to take 40, um, yeah, 16 to 24-year-olds that are not in education, employment or training through yeah. the process of starting a business as a self-development journey. We had European social funding for it. I remember doing it on, on Boxing Day of Brexit submitting yeah. my bid it's horrific in a cabin in the middle of nowhere so I could just focus and yeah we put it through and yeah Curious Entrepreneurs was the program um, and we put it through and it was accepted and that's where it started um, and now you know three years later I've just hired a new managing director for Shift Momentum which was the last kind of exit if you like for for-profit stuff and now I'm fully fully focused on enabling you know 16 to 24 year olds in Cambridgeshire and Peterborough through entrepreneurial experiences. And you're, and, and last time we spoke, you were looking for an office in Peterborough. Have you now got that? So. Still working on it. If anyone's, uh, anyone sees, we, we need to, the thing is for us, we, there are lots of offers, but we have to be within 10 minutes of the train station. Right. Because from a social mobility point of view, making sure we're accessible. Have you spoke to Alia about this? Or? Yes, we, we are having conversations, but okay. um, it, so, this might be a prompt for them to reach so out. How does what you do with schools and young entrepreneurs work now then? Tell us a little bit about that. Yep, so um, we have three layers. So we have engage, inspire, activate. So yeah. engage is that first point of contact, whether it be running an enterprise day in a school or a social housing project or through sport. It's basically exposing them to the opportunities that exist in entrepreneurship and what, right. what that can bring to your life. 
um, inspire is them taking some kind of meaningful action off the back of that. Whether it be, you know, I want to continue, I want to sign up to listen to a podcast, join our Discord community, we've got TikTok, like get involved in the community. And then activate is what, well, you've met one of our curious yeah. entrepreneurs today. That's what activation looks like, is 12 months into a coaching program, which we've got an in-house team. They're fully developed into our market, Brilliant. and they are then curious entrepreneurs. And, and, and is there a contracted commitment for them to stay involved and give back, or is it just something that they do because they've gained or benefited? They do it, and actually every single one of them. The mentors, they're all mentors now, and they're all salespeople now. So when we go to conferences, we were I met yeah. your previous guest just outside in the car park, and uh, he was one of the speakers at a previous conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have seen these young entrepreneurs going around, interviewing people, asking great questions. They're our best market. If there were free business systems that you've learned, and they don't have to be systems as in you know hardwired, but yeah. principles, behaviours, approaches, or, or things that you've um adopted from other mentors or, or examples what would be the three biggest things that you would recommend to a young entrepreneur that joined uh inspire to ignite or any of the areas that you're involved in okay f first one is and you have to excuse my language no one gives a shit yeah the best the best advice i've ever heard and adopted is no one gives a shit and if you say it in two different ways you'll understand why it's important if you say no one gives a shit and you, you know poor me no one gives a shit about me. Or you go, no one gives a shit. I can do what I want. So that is a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a great way to live my life, which I do daily and gets me into all sorts of trouble. Um, but I speak freely. I do what I want. I don't ask, answer to anyone uh, on the premise that no one really gives a shit. So just crack on anyway. Well, I think that's really great. Um, so that's the, that's, that's the first one. Second um, one is a philosophy I do everything by, which is co-grow. Co-grow stands for collaborative growth through community. I truly believe in social entrepreneurship. I truly believe the long-term success of our country and planet is in the power of social entrepreneurship. And everyone, yeah. for me, should be a community interest company in some form. So collaborative growth through community came about through Shifties, whereby we defied the old saying of get your oxygen mask on before you put it on someone else. And we say, well, what happens in a world, and we're not there, far from it, but it's nice to think about building towards that. What happens in a world where you know I'm going to put your oxygen mask on, so therefore you can do the same for another person? Yeah. So it's that, that ultra level of trust and kindness in an economy to know that other people have got your back. That you can rely on people. Yeah, and the community for me is, is the heart of that. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen elements of that in, in this country. I think we need a lot more of it. No, and I know you've done a lot in, in St. Neats and in that area, and I know, yeah. I know we've talked about how the community come together to give you a unit or to yeah. just make stuff available because, you know, once people see the intent and they see the action behind that intent and they realise they can trust the action and the intent, yeah. then they want to be part of that and help that and, and facilitate that. But it it is a kind of someone's got to start that shit, haven't yeah. they? You know, can, what, what's approach. number three? Number three, pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, number three, so let me give you a, a system, something I do every year, especially in a world of this very hyper-connected world that we're in now, digital detoxes. The best thing I do for my brain, at least once a year, where I cut off all digital um, devices from my life for at least a week with my partner, usually in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, and we get bored. And the power of getting bored to allow ourselves to plan, to realign, to refocus, 
um, to check in back on the purpose and mission of what we're doing in a day where everything's, I mean, you've seen me on LinkedIn and stuff, I'm just every, or every day, it's constant. Um, having that time is an incredible hack in into motivation. And, and words are important and language is important. And I think, you know, I, when I'm mentoring people, I often try and just sort of change a sentence with one word mm. to tra transform the sentence. So when you say having that time, the key thing is making that time. 100%. Because we all have the time. You know, Elon Musk has the same number of hours as a homeless person. It's just that he uses it differently. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we can talk about helping that homeless person get over some issues that they got and so on. I mean, I'd love to go through them because in different ways, lots of entrepreneurs get to that position. And you've got, I mean this with great respect and don't want to patronize you, but you've got really wise sh shoulders on your head because you started. You know, yeah, <laughs> see some great coming through. I, I was great in my 20s. So it, it, listen, it happens when you, when you put so much into yeah. life. But, you know, number one, you said no one gives a shit. Um, one of my things is we need more winners and less whiners, mm. which is similar. Uh, in, in the one of the contexts of which you gave that, yeah. no one gives a shit. Because so many people say, oh, I'm sorry, I missed this deadline, this happened. And you think, I don't give a fuck, you missed the deadline. You know, or mm. I can't come in tomorrow because I need to do that, the other. All I'm hearing is you're not fucking coming in tomorrow. Yeah. And actually, if you're in business or friendship or any relationship, realise if you make a commitment and you let me down, virtually, other than death in the family... Yeah. It ain't a good enough excuse. No. If you commit, commit. And we've got a society of people that are, you know, snowflakes become a word. It's not a nice word, actually. Mm. Uh, and it's expanded into too many areas. But we've got a people who just expectation of someone else doing it for them mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to, I mean, not only do they not do for themselves, but they certainly don't give to others. And yet the premise of what you're doing and successfully doing is, is about giving back as well. Yeah. Um, the the co-growth thing I love and I, and I guess it's an interesting lesson for me to learn because I've always been really clear that says I do this in charity, I do this in business, and I don't like the overlap because it mm. gets grey. Yeah. But maybe I need to uh, yeah, you embrace come and, it. Come and learn from you about more of doing. <laughs> well, governance will come. ESG's coming. Like governance yeah, will so come. I need to catch up with you and, and learn <laughs> some more on that stuff. And the digital detox. Interestingly enough, I, I took a lot from when we were chatting to Mark Wright, mm. and he said one of the things he learned from uh, Alan Sugar was Alan Sugar, obviously a billionaire, very successful yeah, yeah. billionaire. He turns his phone off at six, six o'clock on a Friday and does not turn it back on till eight o'clock on a Monday. Interesting. And he, he hasn't worked a weekend in 50 years. Yeah. And, you know, Mark was saying how it gave him so much comfort because it meant that he could still be successful without killing himself and no. working every hour of every day. Because so many entrepreneurs, they do absolutely destroy their bodies and their brains and their uh, confidence after so much of abuse, not enough sleep, wrong foods, too much drink, literally five Red Bulls a day to wake me up, <laughs> five pints at night to yeah. get me to sleep. You know, we destroy ourselves as opposed to saying anyone can work that hard Monday to Friday if they want to, mm. but give yourself a break at some point. Amen. Yeah, amen. That's great. Great um, message. Listen, it's great. Uh, yeah, amazing. Done. Really appreciate it. We'll make sure we put contact details for you and uh, inspire to ignite uh, and any other businesses you want in the um, show notes. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm more than happy to come down and speak and meet some of your budding entrepreneurs yeah. and uh, uh, and students. And um, I know that we're going to spend more time together going forward. I appreciate. Thanks it. so much. For yeah, top man. Thank Cheers. you. If you've enjoyed, do share, like, and subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you again on Success Is a System. Thanks very much.